Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Spawn Daily. This is a collaboration between the Comic Source and Comic Boom, where this year, in 2022, we're making it the year of the Spawn. It happens to coincide with 30th anniversary of Spawn, and we're basically going to cover an issue a day of the Spawn main series. Now, by the time we get toward the end of the year, Spawn, I think, will be somewhere around 334 or so, which will leave us about a month of days if we don't miss any which we probably will because you know life uh but it does leave a little uh space at the end of the year so what we'll probably do i was thinking about this the other day is cover cover some of the other spawn adjacent stuff or we might even intersperse that through because one thing we forgot to mention when we talked about the last couple of issues uh issue i guess it would have been 14 and 15 um they were very much spawn centric or a uh, uh, violator centric rather with the violator telling the story of his epic battle against medieval spawn. Uh, but there was an editorial note in the second issue, uh, second part of the story in 15 that we forgot to mention that basically said, Hey, if you're curious to learn more about the violator, cause he was a very popular character when he was introduced. If you're curious, there's a, a series coming out, the mini series coming out. So there was a four part mini series in 1993, uh, starring the violator. It was called violator. So at some point we probably will go and, and cover uh, stuff like that as well so uh anyway today's issue is brought to you by grant morrison that's right we've talked in the past about how mcfarland was able to get these really huge names uh specifically uh dave sim and alan moore and frank miller and neil gaiman to write some issues of his uh, series early on well issue 16 we get grant morrison writing uh, a three-part story entitled reflections and it's it's awesome like I, I this is fantastic this this may and i didn't realize that morrison even wrote any spawn uh, again part of the reason we're doing this is so rocky and i can uh educate ourselves about spawn i'm not the biggest grant morrison fan i think previously and it's interesting i think all-star superman is probably my favorite grant morrison which you know typically if you're not a morrison fan but then when he writes your favorite character like i've had problems i didn't like his action comics run for example but for whatever reason all-star superman just worked for me klaus his sort of take on santa claus i'm a big christmas guy as you all know uh i think that's some of the better stuff he's ever done but i think that this spawn story may now be my favorite grant morrison thing i've read what did you? What, what were your first impressions of this, Rocky? Uh, well, I thought it was good. I, I I thought it was good. I I was actually impressed with the plot development. I was I was really impressed, and it's it 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 does it. Uh, it's the one of the less psychedelic sort of Morrison. It's one of the more straightforward Grant Morrison stories, and uh, that's that's a that's a compliment. I. I actually like what he adds to the lore. I, I'd really like to know, and we talked about this before, to what extent was there a collaboration between Morrison and uh, Grant, Grant Morrison, Alan Moore, and and Dave Sim when they when when they came up with these storylines? Because th these are major plot points to the origins of the mythology of Spawn, and it's not written by McFarlane. It's written by other writers because you know we're we're just sixteen issues in here, so it's very interesting. But I. I, I was I really loved the plot points here. I really liked how it sort of built on the explanation as to why the memories of Al Simmons were stolen, uh, what happened to the memories. Uh, 
what was actually done with them. Psychoplasm, Jason Wynn, who's responsible for stuff. We're going to get into it, but it's, uh, I thought it was very well done. I, I really liked this. I didn't, I didn't feel it was exposition heavy. I thought it was just right. It, it sort of flowed well. I, I liked it. Maybe a little bit exposition heavy in parts, but, uh, it, it felt like, it felt like, uh, it it just felt it felt better than in previous issues in, in terms it read a little bit easier it flowed it flowed better and it was very informative and it added to the it added a very interesting character by the end of the issue yeah i i agree the flow of this the pacing of it within the issue itself is is fantastic and and yeah i i think you're right it's it's less uh crazy and and psychedelic and more straightforward for morrison but again, we we talked we've talked about this with the previous writers that have joined McFarland. There's not a lot of lore to pull from, right? Like that part of that is Morrison can't help himself. He's such a huge fan of the history of comics and Golden Age and um, especially DC. That when he writes DC stuff, sometimes he's a little too smart for the readers because he's referencing stuff that only Grant Morrison remembers, right? From Golden <laughs> Age and Silver Age and what have you. Uh, he doesn't have that luxury here. There, there is not a lot of, of lore to pull from, uh, but he does go back and reference things, uh, you know, from the previous 15 uh, issues, which, which works well, because again, it's all sort of recent in our minds. Now, as much as I love what Morrison did here, I think it's probably safe to say that the more, uh, impactful or more important, uh, change in creators here is that we get a different art for the first time. It's somebody other than Todd McFarlane drawing Spawn. Uh, and I also saw recently that somebody was asking about the longest runs on comics for, for a you know, single creator uninterrupted. And somebody mentioned Spawn. Oh, you know, Todd's been doing it at 300 issues. No, he hasn't. Now, he's been involved. Don't get me wrong. He's overseen it. But right here, right from the beginning, issue 16, you already have an issue where Todd McFarlane is not listed in the credits of the issue. Um, so I find that to be, uh, interesting as well. And, and that happens, uh, throughout, you know, there, there are, and, and Rocky's alluded to it before where McFarlane himself says, Hey, there are other people who draw spawn better than me and write it better than me. So who we have on spawn for the first time handling the penciling duties is Greg Capullo. Uh, and this is really the title, uh, that really put his name on the map and, and raised him up to that superstardom that he, uh, still enjoys today. That being said, I don't know that you look at this art or I look at this art and, and think, hey, that's great Capullo art. I don't know that it's recognizable as Capullo art, at least for me. What did you think, Rocky? Uh, I had a second glance at it too. I had to. I thought it was really good. I, I could have been fooled that it was McFarlane's art at times. And I even saw like even remnants of a little bit of Jim Lee there. So if, if I'm honest, I, but no, you could have fooled me and if you had told me it was McFarland, I'd have believed it. I thought it was, I think uh, maybe Greg Capullo at the time, he did, a, he, maybe he was channeling his inner Todd McFarland, which, which would be completely understandable uh, because this, this is of course, uh, was a top selling title at the time. So I, I really liked the art. I thought it was, I, I thought it was very good. I, like, like I said, it, 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 it's, it served the narrative well and it, it felt very consistent, you know, Maybe a little bit better, but I'd be nitpick. I'd be. I'd have to be nitpicking. Overall, I. I quite. I thought it was good. I. I will actually say this: Greg Capullo is better at the backgrounds. He's got better backgrounds. McFarlane gets lazy with his backgrounds in some of the early issues that he drew. I actually. Well, there's a couple here. Maybe some backgrounds could have filled in more. But I mean, 
so maybe the, you know, I liked it. I liked it. Maybe it wasn't that different, but it, it did seem to have a, it, it, there's a lot of, a lot of kinetic energy. There, there was some, some good action here. There's a couple of scenes I felt were maybe forced in order to add some action. Uh, but you know, this uh, this is this was a really good issue, and you know Greg Capullo here. When you consider how significant this issue is in terms of its revelation, uh, and the art, the art serves it very well. It's got blood, it's got gore, it's got violence, it's got it's got everything that the previous issues had. And you know, I'd be I'm sure the average person would not be able to tell the significant difference between Capullo and uh, McFarland, but well, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. He definitely is, is has been influenced by McFarlane, and, and it's interesting. So be, because I saw this art and knew it was Capullo, and and the other thing, you know, this is uh, definitely speaks to how much I enjoyed the issue that, that Morrison did here. I, you know, typically I, I read one, maybe two issues of Spawn. I, I had to read this whole story. Like as soon as I read this part, I had to go and read 17. And as soon as I read 17, that wasn't the end of the story. I had to go and read 18. I couldn't wait another day. I wanted to, I knew I had them. I wanted to finish the story. Uh, but the other thing that path that that led me down was the fact that I was looking at this Capullo art. Now, my first experience with Greg Capullo art was on Quasar. Uh, and I've talked to Greg about it or mentioned it to Greg before. And he, he's not a fan of what his art looked like in the beginning when he was on Quasar. So that led me to go look at his earliest art that he did for, for Marvel, which he, he does a couple of issues of what if, uh, he, he does an issue of, um, of uh, an annual of Fantastic Four, he's on a, a an issue of Avengers Spotlight, and when you go and look at that art compared to what his art looks like now, it's it doesn't look anything like it. But also comparing that art to this, it doesn't look anything like it. So then I went and looked at his Marvel art, the uh, the title he was on right before he moved on to Spawn, which was X Force, and it's much more similar to this. So I say that to to say that Greg has his art has definitely evolved over time. And I'd love to have him on to talk about it at some point. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll probably make that happen. Um, but regardless of of whatever influence, whether it was McFarlane or just kind of the '90s art style that everybody was sort of drawing with more detail and more dynamic poses and and whatnot that influences art, I you know I can't say for sure. All I know is, like Rocky said, this art's fantastic. Um, I it's not it's similar enough to McFarlane that I didn't notice right away, but it wasn't too long before I noticed. And I flipped back and I went, oh, this is Capullo's first issue. I didn't realize he started this early. The The biggest difference between uh, the McFarlane art and the Capullo art is there's a there's more of a realism to Capullo's art. Uh, we know at various times that McFarlane will exaggerate anatomy uh, for effect, and he does it very, very well. Not to the point of, you know, taking it over to Liefeld places where, you know, somebody's bicep is bigger than their head. Mm -hmm. Um but McFarlane does play a little more fast and loose with anatomy than Capullo does, at least here at this point in, in Capullo's career. So, yeah, I mean, the art is absolutely fantastic. Um, one of the th differences also between um, Capullo and, and McFarlane, McFarlane inks himself on all those early issues. Here we have Dan Panoshin and Art Taber as inkers. But, yeah, I, I think the art works fantastically. Uh really good use of, of shadow and shading and, and whatnot. So in terms of the, the story itself, um, it starts off and we're, we're in what looks like sort of this idyllic hometown and the voiceover is telling us they call it uh, Simmonsville, you know, as an Al Simmons. And basically what we learn is that when the deal was made 
to have Al Simmons killed. So again, this is new information, right? Like we thought it was just Jason Wynn decided that they that Al Simmons was to be killed and they just killed him. Well, turns out maybe there's a little more to it than that. Uh, and at this army base, this um, atomic bomb testing site in Nevada, while testing an atom bomb, they opened a hole into another dimension, that dimension they call hell, and they discovered a, uh, a substance they call psychoplasm. And apparently psychoplasm is this kind of a known substance, and it changes in response to the mental state of the people that are perceiving it. So everything in this town that were shown at the beginning is they're all memories of uh, of Al Simmons, right? That when we sent Simmons to hell, we stole his memories, and those memories acted upon the uh, the raw psychoplasm, and it created uh, Simmonsville, a fake town built from the jumble of one man's recollections. The houses he lived in, the schools he went to, the playgrounds he played in, factories, churches, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so they're using it as sort of this testing ground to see if they can in some way uh, weaponize uh, this psychoplasm. So that, uh, as we're given this exposition, uh, we see that we see these two soldiers get uh, torn apart by what looked to be uh, brothers or some sort of relatives of the violator and the vindicator. They, they look similar uh, <clears throat> with the teeth and the skinny body and big head and whatnot. Uh, but as it pulls back, apparently all this is being monitored via video by Jason Wynn and, uh, and somebody named uh, General Hale, or Major, Major Vale. Um, and it talks about how they, they're trying to figure out how to weaponize this. And uh, Major Vale's like, I, I don't know how I take this to the board. And you know, I barely can believe what I saw to my own eyes, with my own eyes. And, uh, and Jason Wynn says, well, you know, I know it's a little overwhelming. Think it over. We'll talk again in a little bit. I need to go work out. So meanwhile, uh, we move over to Spawn. He's thinking about who he is. Is he really human still? He made a deal with the devil. Again, little little exposition here. And his voice, the tone, how he talks, is a, sounds a little different. Again, it's a different writer. It's Morrison and not uh, McFarland. So we get a little bit of exposition for anybody who's jumping on for the first time, maybe a Grant Morrison fan who hadn't been reading it up to this point. Talks about Chapel's the one that killed him. Al Simmons is dead, but who sent who set him up? Who sent him to hell? And if he's dead, how can he have a body? Is he still human? What what got buried in Al Simmons' grave? So he decides maybe um, maybe not the wisest choice to go and find out. <laughs> On his way there, he sees one of his buddies, one of his homeless friends in the alley, about to be attacked um, by some. I, I don't even know what to call them scumbags, I guess that, that they're going to solve the homeless problem by lighting them on fire, burn a bum, they call it. So uh, it, it's basically an excuse for Morrison to, to write some cool action scenes with spawn as he, as he takes these guys out. Wasn't that part of pop culture back in the nineties too? Wasn't there a phase where they were burning homeless people? I recall. Yeah. I think this, cause I think I'm actually surprised more. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I actually thought that whole scene, this whole scene was forced. Like it was like they needed a, 
they needed to transition spawn and to do something, you know, and they, again, making it very obvious. Oh my God, we have these really, really bad guys that are going to burn people. And I just absolutely over the top exhort, like, you know, it's not, I mean, this is a, this is a comic book about the devil for God's sakes and, and deals made with the devil and, and the human, you know, the, the human villains are just as cruel as, as, the, as Mel Brosia himself. It's just incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, and that that probably is a reference to that. There was a a time when, as horrific as it is, where homeless were being burned, being attacked. So maybe it's that's where Morrison pulled it from. Uh, but as the story continues, we we see that not far away in Midtown Manhattan, there's a mirror walled building with no name and no number, which may be that even in a story with Malbolgia, this you know supernatural version of Satan or the devil and, and Al Simmons brought back to life with all these powers. Maybe the most unbelievable thing of all is the fact that there would be a building in midtown Manhattan that didn't have a name or a number that just doesn't happen. What are you talking about? No name, no number, but either way yeah. uh, it's the headquarters of, of heaven's foothold on earth. Uh, and we are told by uh, Gabrielle and uh, Michaela that, the recent hell spawn who defeated Angela is special and dangerous. And they've been empowered by the powers of heaven to destroy the creature. The balance of power must be seriously compromised. If control, apparently that's what heaven's boardroom or, or powers that be are, are referred to. If control is prepared to intervene so directly into the affairs of the earthly plane. So uh, we are then shown uh, a satellite that's orbiting earth where apparently the powers of heaven create their weapons. And there's a couple of, I assume what are supposed to be angels. They, they don't have complete skulls. Um, seems to be this glow around them, almost like a halo type effect. And they talk about how it's not just anybody that they can use anybody's body uh, that they can hollow out and use for to implant the, the power of heaven or their own essences. Um, and so there's, there is a subject that is ready though. And it says, I'm bringing them up now. And in maybe the coincidence of all coincidences, the scene then shifts to Jason Wynn, who for, you know, uh, a boardroom guy for a business guy who sits around his butt, tries to keep himself in pretty good shape. He's fighting against some ninjas after all it is the nineties, right? So what are you going to fight when you're training, but ninjas, Got a little bit of a gut on him, but he's got some musculature and uh, he seems to do pretty well against these ninjas. Um, but when the angels pull up the body that's been prepped or they feel has the, the ability to contain this heavenly power, it is Jason Wynn himself. And he's like, how did I get here? Who are you people? Answer me, damn you. Are, are you his people? And they answer, we do not serve Malbolgia, servants of a higher power, as will you be when our work is done. And they start to imbue him with the power and he yells out, it's burning. God help me. It's burning. Um, so before we can see the final fate of uh, Jason Wynn, we see that Spawn has arrived at the grave of Al Simmons. Again, this is just a bad idea. I'm not sure what he, what good he thinks can come from this. Uh, I guess if it's empty, he can just think, well, at least I'm in my own body. But it, I don't know. It just seems to me like let sleeping dogs lie. And sure enough, he opens it up. There's his corpse. He complains about the smell and he's like, man, if this is my body here, if this is what's left of Al Simmons, then what am I? God help me. What am I? What have you done to me? 
So meanwhile, the scene shifts back to the satellite. We see uh, Jason Wynn now all powered up, glowing with this golden light, much more traditionally super heroic uh, physique. You know, he's got the abs now. He's got that V shape with the giant trapezius and uh, wide shoulders. And the angels are talking about how you're, you're one creature. We've made you strong. You can go and destroy the hellspawn. The elemental fire of heaven burns in you. You're no longer human. Rise up, be born again, soldier of the light. And as the uh, light fades away, you can see him there in his costume, which is a little bit similar to Spawn in terms of a big giant cape and some spikes and some chains. Obviously, the coloring is different, and he has a a full helm. uh, And they refer to him as anti-Spawn, so anti-Hell Spawn, I suppose. Big purple cape uh, and a really interesting choice. Like, of all people... I mean, it's sort of like, from what I can gather and, and kind of the impression I get so far, the, the powers of hell aren't 100% evil. The powers of heaven aren't 100% good. Uh, there's good and bad aspects to you know either one of them, much like you can talk about any complex hero or villain in that way. Um, but a really interesting choice, very coincidental as well. Really, of all the bodies on earth that you're going to empower with the power of heaven just happens to be the one that ordered Al Simmons to be killed. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to make Jason Wynn, who so far has come across as this really not, not nice guy, really selfish and in a lot of ways evil. Uh, you're going to make him the power for good. So, uh, yeah. but it's a minor nitpick overall. I, I like the pacing. I, I like the inherent conflict that that creates like, what the hell's going to happen when spawn is fighting anti-spawn and realizes this is Jason Wynn. It's he's going to fire, be fired up to defeat him all the more. Um, so yeah, interesting choices. And, and it goes back to something that we've mentioned a lot in the uh, early issues that have been written by other uh, creators and Rocky mentioned already earlier. How, how much did like, did McFarlane approve that? Hey, you know, Grant Morrison's like, Hey Todd, I'm going to make anti-spawn Jason Wynn. Right, and really solidify this sort of uh, antagonistic relationship between the two. Uh, or did Morrison just like, I'm going to do whatever I want, you know? Really curious to know uh, know how that all played out. What are your thoughts, Rocky? Well, you know, it's interesting. It is a very curious choice that Jason Wynn, the, the evil guy who's responsible, Jason Wynn made a deal with, Mel, made a deal with some presence in the, in, in the afterlife, in, in in hell, which we we assume it's Melbrosia, Melbosia, that that Jason Wynn made a deal with, saying, "Look, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, Al Simmons if you give me Psychoplasm." That was the deal in exchange, and so the they get Al, you know, Melbrosia gets Al Simmons, uh, which is I'm assuming he, you know, he's a good fighter, and so and then in return they get Psychoplasm, and they mix the Psychoplasm with Al Simmons' memories, and you got Simmonsville there, uh, but then. And it's interesting. Remember what Malbogia said to Al Simmons. He basically said, you know, Al Simmons, you're an atheist. You're going to be an agent. Now, not only is there a God, you're an atheist, Al Simmons, but not only can I tell you is there a God, but now you're the enemy of God. And what I find interesting about this juxtaposition that now with Jason Wynn being evil, I don't know if if Jason Wynn, I assume Jason Wynn is also an atheist. Jason Wynn is now the enemy of the devil, the very devil that he made the deal with. Because I'm assuming this control is sort of like the opposite of hell. And so now Jason Wynn, who made a deal with the devil, is now, in theory, the enemy of the devil and the enemy of the army of, of Malbrosia. 
and Jason Wynn is now fighting alongside, is basically an agent of God. Now, really, at least that's how I'm seeing this. It's very, very odd. I don't understand why the devil would want to recruit soldiers that have a high moral compass, a strong moral fiber, and then why would heaven or control want to recruit someone with no moral compass like Jason Wynn? It just seems like a really odd choice, and I don't think at this point of the narrative, maybe this will be explained, but I don't really understand this here. This is It actually seems like a really, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's backwards. But, well, it's backwards, and it's also a little bit kind of, it kind of goes against any kind of mythology. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me at this point in the story why they would do that. I mean, there's plenty of great soldiers out there that are, you could consider them soldiers of Christ or soldiers of heaven. You don't need to, you don't need to go and pick somebody who's evil to be, to, to fight in heaven. And you don't have to, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't, there, there's plenty of people to choose from on earth. And this, this really seemed forced. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm surprised that Morrison would would do something this almost cliche, to be honest. Like I'm a little bit, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised. I, I'm really curious. I've, I've not read the next issue, so I don't know where this goes, but this seems like really odd to me. And he, even the, with the costume looking oddly, it's a very, although it does have a, he does a, this anti-spawn when he, he, it does, he does looks to have a cross on the on the front, which I think is good, and, and even red crosses on on each forearm, or or the symbol of red crosses, and also on the uh, on his uh, below the knee. So I guess that's that's interesting. It's it's, but again, like I said, strange choice. That, that's the only thing that sort of threw me off this issue, and um, yeah. But but I love I love the I love the the idea of of Al Simmons' memories. Uh, mixing with the psychoplasm and creating the Simon Simonsville and and how I mean really Jason Wynn really I mean it was all Jason Wynn making a deal with the devil and and it was the 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 underground nuclear testing that that led to the discovery of a literal hell <laughs> I mean it, it, it's fun this is a it's a straightforward story very a straightforward story and it is fun but boy it it seems I hope. It seems really, really convenient here, overly convenient and a little bit forced, but we'll, we'll, we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, I mean, is it enough of a reason to say, well, wh why would you put the morally ambiguous guy or the morally corrupt guy <laughs> on the side of, of heaven and the morally upright guy on the side of hell? Is it enough to say, well, because 90s? I mean, it's a very 90s thing to do. Uh, so, you know, there's that, there's that to consider as well. I, part of me thinks that, Another interesting dynamic would have been to go with Terry Fitzgerald as a as the choice for anti spawn. Yeah, you're yeah, setting make a up lot an, more sense. He's got yeah. the moral fiber for it anyway. Right, and you're setting up an adversarial uh, relationship between Al Simmons and his best friend. Yeah, of which there's an undercurrent that you know there's a there's a little bit of Al Simmons that's got to resent the fact that Terry is still human. Terry, well, or was at that point, he wouldn't be when he became anti spawn, obviously. But there's a there's a you know, part of Al Simmons that when he discovers Terry married his wife, Terry's still human. Terry has is living the life that Al Simmons wished he was still living, including being able to give Wanda a child, something Al Simmons was never able to do. So, uh, but the choice was made, whether it was Grant Morrison, whether it was Todd McFarlane, hopefully we'll discover it at some point. Uh, but more to come tomorrow on Spawn Daily. So we hope you are all enjoying it. Be sure to reach out on social media and give us your thoughts. Uh, and also be sure if you're listening to us on the audio only that you head over to the YouTube channel 
uh, do a search for comic space boom exclamation point. That's Rocky's channel. Subscribe, like this video, ring that notification bell so you know when new content comes out beyond Spawn Daily because we do uh, a lot of other stuff. Rocky's got some uh, recent content, some year-end wrap-up stuff uh, on there as well. And of course, we'll have the Comic Source Awards episodes coming up pretty soon uh, before the end of the month. Uh, conversely, if you're checking us out on YouTube and you haven't subscribed to the audio only, just go to your favorite podcast app on your smart device or podcast platform, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, we're on all of them. Just do a search for the Comic Source and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the audio only content. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more Spawn Daily, uh, as well as our DC Spotlight is out today, as it is on every Tuesday. Be warned, there are spoilers. Uh, and then tomorrow we'll have our spoiler-free New Comics Wednesday episode. So thanks for joining us as always, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.